One of the important things to realize about children is that their grief is not just a one-time thing, that as they progress through the different stages of development, they will re-grieve a loss. My name is Ryan Growney. I'm 16 years old and I'm a high school student. I'm Thomas Growney, Ryan's twin brother. I'm Chris Growney. I'm a retired tech executive and investor. I'm Thomas and Ryan's dad. The two brothers and their dad are looking for ways to disrupt the old models of youth service. Service should be engaging. We've got the drive. We've got the resources. We've got the capital. We have the passion. We have to take our inspiration and turn it into real actionable progress. And we want to change the world. Welcome to Service Academy. We've talked a lot about social entrepreneurship, creating socially-minded businesses rather than charities to help solve a problem and turn a profit so they can go on solving that problem. Today, we're talking about something slightly different, systems change leadership. Now, what's the difference between a social entrepreneur and a systems change leader? So a social entrepreneur is looking at a problem from the business side and a social change leader is looking to change a system. It takes passion for a cause to be a system change leader, whereas you don't really have to care about a problem, you just have to care about making money if you want to be a social business entrepreneur. Yeah, there, there's a difference there. Systems change leaders set their sights on big game. Their goal isn't to start a business, it's to change a fundamental problem. To be a system change leader, you need other people. And once you have other people, it becomes not an individual goal, it becomes a societal goal. Obviously, it takes some leadership skills to start a company, but a systems change leader scales that up. They're organizing all of these moving parts, people, businesses, governments. So before a systems change leader, there's all this momentum going in different places. They harness that towards a specific system. Obviously, that requires a ton of charisma and leadership. I think that's why you call it a system change leader instead of just a system change person. According to the World Economic Forum, while systems change frameworks may exist, the reality of the process is often messy and ambiguous. It's a journey of discovery that evolves over time, hopefully eventually leading to those eureka moments of insight. A system change leader looks at a system and sees what's missing. And then they look internally and say, what can I do to affect change? But then they galvanize other people and those skills to fill other gaps so that the system can shift. Daniela Poppy Thornton is an educator, author, and former deputy director of the Skoll Center for Social Entrepreneurship. And she's thought a lot about this issue. According to her, the key difference is in not being married to your solution. To lead the way forward to fundamental change, you have to be dedicated to solving underlying problems using whatever means work. Real system change leaders are married to solving a problem, not married to their solution. We can fix our wasteful systems. Each episode of the Service Academy podcast features leaders in social entrepreneurship. Today's feature is Sarah Darren and Experience Camps, a national no-cost program for grieving children who have experienced the death of a parent, sibling, or primary caregiver. It's a week-long overnight summer camp that helps to reframe the experience of grief and empower kids with the coping skills to move forward. More than 250,000 children have lost a parent or caregiver to COVID in the United States, upending their lives with far-reaching consequences. Left behind are tens of thousands of children, some orphaned entirely after the parent or grandparent who cared for them died. Compared to kids who have never lost a parent, bereaved children are at significantly increased risk for lower self-esteem and poor academic performance. 
They're at greater risk for death due to illness, suicide, drug abuse, and violent crime. These stressful events can be biologically embedded so their physical health could also suffer long-term. Charles Nelson co-authored a study in the journal Pediatrics. He says without interventions, these kids face serious risks. There's the issue of unresolved grief, that is the depression isn't treated and it becomes a persistent form of depression. So this could affect them for the rest of their life. A child's well-being is severely affected by the loss of a parent or caregiver. And obviously COVID has exacerbated that fact. It's a trauma and grief, which is hard for anyone to process, much less a child who, frankly, doesn't have the words or the life experience to express their feelings and, frankly, a relatively limited community to lean on. Losing someone that you love is not a problem that you can solve. We don't, as a community, as a country, as a culture, do a very good job of making space for grief. One in five children in the U.S. are grieving the death of someone close to them. Processing grief in the time of COVID is complicated. Some children feel guilty for infecting a parent. Others are angry that their parent didn't get vaccinated or wear a mask. I heard about this new international study. I think it was from January in 2020 to May 2022, so over two and a half years long. They surveyed that nearly 8 million kids under the age of 18 had lost a parent or primary caregiver to a pandemic-related cause. When the researchers included the deaths of secondary caregivers, like grandparents or older relatives, the number of kids affected rose to 10 and a half million. That's so many people that have lost someone. One of the important things to realize about children is that their grief is not just a one-time thing, that as they progress through the different stages of development, they will re-grieve a loss. And so you might see these symptoms of grief coming and going. There are organizations across the country that help grieving children, but they are few and far between. Sarah Darren is the founder and CEO of Experience Camps for Grieving Children. And this summer, some of them will head to Maine, where Experience Camps will attend to the hearts of grieving kids. Hi. I'm Sarah Darren, and I'm the CEO of Experience Camps for Grieving Children. We started in 2009 to give kids who had had, at that time, just a parent who had died, an, ex mm. an opportunity to come to the summer camp for a week. And when they come to camp, they're met with time to really sit in their grief and sit in the, um, the feelings that they have, but also to be able to connect with other kids who understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. I married into summer camp. I'd been in the corporate world. I was in IT and finance, nothing to do with summer camp. Really, I was like, I'm an, I'm an analyst. I like getting into, um, I love spreadsheets. Like I love data and details and things like that. In the business world, I was working for a number of financial services institutions. And I went to business school to further my education in that realm. Kind of made a decision with the financial decline of 2008 when I was laid off from my job in, in, in one of those investment banks when I was nine months pregnant. Said, well, I guess this is the time. And I'd always wanted to do something in the, in the world of philanthropy, in the way of giving back. I'd always volunteered and my parents were school teachers. It was just sort of part of my fiber and I hadn't gone that way professionally. And I found myself kind of thrown into this world and seeing really what was an opportunity to take this incredible platform that is summer camp and applying it to kids who maybe don't get that opportunity. She was an investment banker. She didn't have an experience with grief in her life in that kind of personal way, but she was able to still take her skills and leverage them. She used her resources to help solve a problem rather than create a solution. So around that time, we started developing a nonprofit. And as we were doing that, there was another program, another camp in Maine that had reached out and said, hey, we're running this bereavement camp for girls, um, but they all have brothers. 
and we're looking for a program that would that would run a boys program. Is that something you would be interested in doing? And we were like, yeah. There's this kind of hierarchy between social entrepreneurs, system change leaders, and charities and nonprofits. Charities and nonprofits are good, but they're not as good as being a social entrepreneur or not as good as being a systems change leader. What XCAMS is kind of helping us realize is that there are situations in which a charity is far and away better. Charities and nonprofits, they have huge value because there are problems in this world that we can't solve. We come to this place for magic, to laugh, to cry, to care, because we need that, all of us. These kids will toggle from crying to laughing within a second, and that's life. You're allowed to be sad and happy at the same time. In grief camp, you don't be afraid to have grief. Grief camp is fun. Grief camp is my comfort zone. What happens at Experience Camp? Oh, everything you would expect in a in a traditional summer camp environment. But overwhelmingly, what the kids are looking for is that release from their grief. They're looking for a place where they can just be kids again and really play. And, you know, they're swimming and water skiing and all of the beauty of the outdoors. And there are those moments of reflection and quiet and space for the grief to exist in whatever way it needs to. We bring back childhood for these kids that have experienced so much trauma and so much pain in their lives in ways that is somewhat unimaginable for so many people. Somebody invited us, said, hey, we at the last night of camp, we actually have, we drove up there and Alicia's fully pregnant. Alicia, Chris's wife and Ryan and Thomas's stepmom, lost her own mom at a young age, so felt a personal connection to this cause. We got to play with the kids. We, we sat through the sharing circle. And then what they did is they took these 15 adults. They just said, hey, I just want you to understand what it's like in terms of a sharing circle. And um, it was amazing because Alicia was the first one to say something. And I'm like, holy cow, like it was like really profound, like um, sort of hearing her sort of give voice to, to a lot of those feelings. And then literally the stories were like unbelievable. And um, there was one guy that was like probably in his 60s. He's like, you know, I've never talked about that. I've never talked about it with my kids. My kids are in their, their 40s. I've never talked about that. This is the first time I've ever actually told that story. So it was um, it was a really, um, it was like a really sort of profound moment. We have over 450,000 hours with grieving kids that have told us something that seems really obvious now. Talking about grief helps. She can't solve the problem of losing someone you love, but she is solving the problem of how we as a society can recover from that. And so I think in that way, she's a systems change leader. This has also been a business that we've grown. The elements of scaling and growth and human resources and all of the things that that come with that um, has also been part of that journey. But we always, I mean, we always come back to the why. From those first kids that we had in Maine in 2009, we had 27 boys that year. It has grown to, we have a thousand kids coming to camp this summer. She was able to create a business that was scalable and useful, and it takes some pretty good money management to make this free for all these kids. So we're opening our sixth location this coming, next summer, 2023. So we'll be in six states. We have a boys program and a girls program in each of those locations. So 12 programs overall. Across the country next summer, we're going to have 1,200 campers uh, at our six locations. In Maine alone, our New England camp will serve close to 300 kids, if not more. She realized that she needed to do more than just this camp and that people needed support and resources year round instead of just this one week out of the year. I do believe as soon as you skip outside of the camp centers and places near schools and otherwise is the part where she's really looking to be able to address grief more generally, not just in support of campers that are at home, but also in support of people that couldn't get to camp.
Actually, this summer, Thomas and I got invited to become counselors in training at X Camps. And so, I mean, that's an amazing opportunity. If I can make a 1% change in the way they feel, that's a win. Somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. <laughs> Intervening at the right moment in someone's life can be a game changer for the grieving process. And introducing young people to service at the right moment and in the right way can be a game changer in their lifelong commitment to service and impact in their community. Check our show notes for more about experience camps, and please share this episode with anyone who you know that might be interested in service and helping their community. This week, the Grownies are thinking about growing from difficult experiences. If you have thoughts on that, they'd love to hear from you. Reach out to them at serviceacademy.org.